Hi, this is Brian Woods, the head coach of FC Monmouth, and you are listening to the FC Monmouth Podcast. Hello and welcome to the FC Monmouth Podcast, episode number one of year four. That's right, four years of FC Monmouth content. Matt DeLuca, Joey DiCamillo coming at you live from Freehold, New Jersey. That is where we our mobile studios take us this year. Uh, Joey, first off, for our listeners out there, it's been a while since they've heard our voices. Uh, plot twist, we're six games in, uh, but we're here. We're going to fill you in on everything that's happened over the first month plus of 2021. Then we're going to get into what should be a very exciting push for hopefully a second playoff appearance in three seasons. But Joey, uh, first off, how have you been? Oh man, Matt, it's uh, I've been a lot of things. It's been obviously a very, um, very difficult, uh, very challenging, and uh, very introspective uh, year we've had, obviously, with the coronavirus and uh, the lack of um, grassroots football in our lives. So it's uh, really a pleasure to be back to to get to do this again uh, with you and. Um, it really is something to be pretty much in media res right now um, in the middle of the FC Monmouth season. So this is so long overdue. I'm just really uh, excited to dive into it. Yeah, so we figured we'd get everyone ready. We have one more home game on the schedule. So a couple of quick plugs before we get into it uh, of a recap. Uh, this Friday, so whenever you're listening to this, June 18th at Count Basie Park, 7 p.m. You could get your tickets online, fcmonmouth.com. You could also get them at the gate. You know, show up at the gate. They'll have tickets there. Get online. You can get them there as well. Last home game of the regular season. Um, always a good atmosphere. And really, Joey, we're going to get into it more, but no matter what Mother Nature has thrown at the FC Monmouth fan base this season, they've turned out every game. You know, whether it be Nor'easters at Memorial Day weekend or 95-degree weather, we've had some pretty good crowds. And, you know, this is... Hopefully doing this podcast, get some more people out there on Friday. Uh, should be very nice weather, which, as it we're going to talk is about... a change. It, it, it will be a, a pleasant surprise, but um, yeah. So again, tickets online, uh, fcmonmouth.com. You get them at the gate as well in Red Bank. Um, so Joey, record of 2-2-2 two, two, and two through six games. Uh, if you like the number two, well, this is the podcast for you. Um <laughs> It's an angel number, actually, I think. so. I think uh, the best way to describe this season is that no, no two games have been the same. And you could kind of take away a central theme from each contest. Uh, so we're going to spend more time on the recent games for those listening. Uh, and then the first couple games we're going to knock out pretty quickly. The season opener, right? 30-some degrees in early May. Very cold. So the roster, there's 11 guys, right? And I think, you know, a 2 nothing loss to Motown in the season opener with not many guys, really not anyone to bring in the bench. FC Monmouth was really in the game, and they had some really decent chances, too, to try and get one or two past uh, FC Motown. Yeah, Matt, I mean, honestly, that, that game, um, even spoken, you know, even said, uh, yeah, even said uh, by Coach Woods, I mean, it was a little bit of a, an outlier, uh, unfortunately, for the for the 
lineup that was put out, you know, it was kind of a cobble together as to, you know, the guys that we, we had returning uh, that weren't part of the Lions, um, some other new faces that we, we got on this year for the first time, and uh, it wasn't the full strength of the squad. But um, even with that being the case and a lot of the Lions being absent, uh, it was a resilient performance. Uh, I think that's definitely a theme that carries throughout uh, each of the games that we're going to talk about, if there is one commonality, because there's not many, <laughs> but definitely the resilience of it. Uh, it was it's a, Motown is a strong club um, in all competitions that they perform in, and that game, um, you know, it could have been we had our chances. The, the chances were there, uh, and it could have been maybe a higher score line, uh, kind of going either way. Yeah, I mean, most of the time when you think really no bench. First game of the year, just getting to know everybody against one of the best teams in the nation. You wouldn't really think that that game would end two nothing, right? I mean, no, especially with the fact that I believe we we literally had eleven straight yeah. up. You know, no subs. Yeah, and I think defensively, there's a lot of really good positives you could take away. I mean, Matt Perella, the goalkeeper, seven saves in that game. A lot of good defensive plays as well, and as you mentioned, the offensive chances were there. Um, and Coach Woods mentioned it in his post-game interview as well. I mean, to go like toe-to-toe basically with no bench with one of the best teams in the nation, that's a really positive way in some ways to start a year. Uh, of course. Woods, uh, Woods was very – the thing that sticks out to me was he was very proud. Uh, he mm-hmm. said that multiple times, very, very proud of the guys that, that showed up that night and um, and performed and kind of just laid it all out there. I think that really is the, the bottom line, that those guys came and they left everything on the field. His first two words were thank you. Uh, and I think that's a perfect way to sum up that game. Um, and it, it was really encouraging in many ways, too, as kind of a way to set the tone as a way, like, this team's not going to give up. You're going to play hard for 90 minutes. And that's something that he referenced in our most recent game, which we'll talk about. You know, they play hard like they always do. Uh, so game two, travel three hours to the Electric City, uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania, um, one thing I will say, the three places that we've played at so far, I will give periodic shout-outs to the venues that we played at. This wasn't the normal place, if I'm correct, that Electric City played at. But you saw the backdrop, the mountains on one side, right? All the lights once it got dark out. It was a really cool place to watch a game. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, we did drive three hours on a weekday, which is something that was also mentioned in our post-game interviews. It was a 1-1 draw for those who haven't seen or watched or heard of the game yet. 1-1 draw. Two really solid goals, uh, one from each side. Um, A lot of chances down the stretch. Both teams trying to get the full three points. But, again, really good place to watch a game. And I think the adversity of, you know, and we talked about adversity or resiliency. Sitting in a car that long and then playing a 90-minute game, it's pretty tough, right? I mean, I driving three hours and then just sitting and watching the game was enough for me. But, like, you got to give the guys credit. Yeah, I mean, as, as an athlete, you know, just, just taking, um, taking the trip, I mean, of course, it's hard to, it's hard to maybe stay fired up about it. Um, although i got to say I've, I have had the inverse um, uh, situation with, uh, you know, some of the teams that I've, I've played on and been a part of as well is, is you go and you take that trip and you're just you're so – all that energy is just so focused because you're only out there for one thing. You know, you're as, as nice as the mountains were to probably see that wasn't the intention of the trip there. So they, they were there to kind of just get, get the mission done, you know, and, and go home uh, and secure the bag as the kids would say. 
Um, so I, I, but it's, it definitely is a factor in, it was, it was a factor in, um, terms of attendance, I I believe, right. And and schedules personally for some of the players. I mean, with an away day like that and other away days coming up like that, it is definitely, um, something to consider. Yeah. And and definitely, you know, the team, when we showed up there, right, you get a goal early on, uh, Dave Nigro, really good feed crossing the ball in Josh Hessen, really all Josh had to do was just stick his leg out and it was able to go in the net, uh, Electric City early on, I think in the second half, had a really nice goal uh, to tie things up. Just that was all on Electric City there, like an all skill kind of goal. In any case, a 1 1 draw, right, to get your first point on the road. And we talked about it when we were there too with some of the players and coaches. To get any kind of points on the road with a 10 game schedule, you know, obviously on a weekday, you know, trying to get people there, um, any road points were great. And I think that was the theme from game two was getting really solid road points early on in the season. Yeah, the uh, any any amount of points is massive. Um, and I even go as far as saying, you know, the games that you, you do end up drawing uh, when you could have had, you know, the edge, are, are, they can come back and bite you just so easily in a 10-game season. Um, everything means more, really. So, uh, yeah, for the first showing, I mean, out on the road, it, it you can never not be proud of that, you know, um, especially – with the distance, with the with the personal scheduling challenges and things like that, I mean, none of the away days really are very particularly easy this season, um, especially given a lot of the conferences, you know, these these Pennsylvania-based teams, and uh, some of these trips are getting pretty far out there. So that's something that uh, you know is going to be coming up again, and I'm sure we're going to going to continue to recap some of that. Uh, so game three. Uh, so there is a theme, by the way, for any of those that have been with FC Monmouth since 2018. Uh, the third game of every season, there's either a rain delay or rain shortens the game itself. Um, I don't, I, I just, I don't make the stats. I just keep them. But for whatever reason, the third game, just the third game of every season, there's either a rain delay or rain cuts the game short. That's what it was for us. Uh, again, another shout out. The facility we went to for first state down in Delaware was amazing. Probably the best, I think maybe the best um, man away venue I think we've ever been to in terms of, right, layout, uh, logistics. I mean, it's like a four story, like four story kind of concourse, bleachers, press box. And elevator. Elevator. That's what I mean. It's uh, the opposing locker room was in its own separate building underneath a gym. So, yeah, shout out to First State, their first season. You know, we know what that's like to be. In your first year, right? That wasn't too long ago. We were in that position. No, of course not. And, and, um, and how important um, facility is, um, and even even certain, even just little amenities uh, like what they had there. Yeah, I mean, if we, it's massive, you know. So, I mean, we were saying this is this is a great place to get rain delayed at, right? I mean, you have like the nice air conditioned press box, right? You know, you have the, the nice locker room uh, that the players were in. Um, so on the field, scoreless first half. First state comes out early on in the second, gets the goal, goes ahead, one nothing. Their first goal at home in club history. About ten minutes later, I don't know where you were on the field when Walter took the ball on the far side, went past two or three guys, and got his first goal of the season. We're going to talk a lot more about Walter, Walter Calderon, but an absolute rocket of a goal to tie that up. Uh, and then we'll talk about the second goal in a second, but that kind of set the tone for the momentum to kind of shift when Walter equalized it at around the 50th minute. Yeah, I was down on the bench filming, um, as I usually am for for this season here. 
Um, honestly, the pretty much the entire first half of the game, probably up until Walter's goal. I mean, that game was not looking necessarily in our favor. Uh, first state, you know, they they had some questionable results in the beginning of the season, and we kind of went in there, you know, uh, holding their heads high, thinking we can continue to deliver those bad results to them. Um, however, they had they we struggled a lot with their pace. They had a lot of really really. Um, fast forwards and uh, guys on the wing on the outside, and, and, and our fullbacks were having a problem with that for sure. Um, and they were just very, they were lightning. They were getting a lot of balls into the box. They had a couple chances. Uh, I believe one shot hit the post, if, if I'm not mistaken. It was just like inches off. Um, they had a lot of good chances. They were, they were very tough to deal with. Um, defensively, uh, First State was not as organized as they were offensively, and that was something that we were looking to exploit in our game plan. Um, I know that that is, you know, they, they, once we started piling onto them, they were going to have a hard time to, you know, obviously kind of working on that deficit and, and they weren't um, as certain in the back. Uh, but it just didn't look like it was coming. I mean, they were just, they were just going and the crowd was there. They had decent numbers for sure. It was just, everything was on their side and it was um, looking bleak until Walter uh, hit that for us and started the, the eventual comeback. Yeah. So about 10 minutes later, and again, I'm going off, off of memory here. Uh, I believe it was a, a Free kick on the far side for a corner, one of the two. Ball gets played in. The first. This is about 10 minutes after the Walter goal. Uh, the first eight keeper kind of comes out, punches it out, 20 yards out, lands right at the foot of one of our midfielders, Colin Lankow. He sees that the first eight keeper is like kind of on the ground and very far outside of the net. First thing he did, first touch, just chipped it from 20 yards out in to take the 2-1 lead. Three minutes later, Whistle was blown, lightning right in front of us. That started, you know, the oh no, here we go again kind of thing of these long weather delays, which only happened in the third game. This I, is a part of FC Mama's lore so, at this point. It's my favorite part of the season. I mean, it's it's almost a given now, I think, it's safe to say. So a warning to whoever plays us in game three next year, um, you might need to pack a poncho. Uh, but in any case, a two-hour delay ensues. Uh, the game was called in like the 60th minute, awarded to FC Mammoth. The momentum was starting to shift a little bit at the time, but obviously you want to play out those final 30 minutes. But yeah, the- I remember. Uh, you know, first state was was trying to claw back, and and you know they're they're starting in that after they got that deficit up. I mean, they they were they were starting to really go forward, and it was going to be a dicey game. Holding on that two, I mean, holding on to that two one was not going to be a given. You know, um, an easy task for us. So. We were fortunate with the rain delay. Um, it definitely helped, again, like the AC game um, in the previous season. It helped a lot with the team bonding and everyone hanging out and locked in the room together. It was um, it was good. It's a good human experience. I love the rain delays. <laughs> it's it's such a great, like, just human kind of chemistry experience for the squad and, and, and the staff and stuff. So, um, you know, I don't know. We, we do well with bad weather, actually, <laughs> as yeah. much as we're a magnet to it. <laughs> uh, so that game was awarded as a win, so that evened out the record. One's across the board, one, one, and one. But again, we'll, we'll talk more about first state in the coming minutes, but they're a really solid team. You mentioned their schedule, Joey. I mean, they played virtually every playoff team from 2019 within their first four games of the year. Uh, that's a very tough way to get introduced uh, to the Keystone Conference for sure, playing you know Motown, AC, FC Monmouth, Westchester. I mean, one after another. We'll talk more about it, but again, shout out to their facility. That's my one of my themes takeaways from our first three road games. Really good experiences everywhere we went for different reasons. You know, obviously we mentioned the mountains uh, in the first road trip, second road trip, 
The facility was insane. And we'll talk more about our third road trip, uh, which was most recent uh, in the coming minutes. But we come home, Memorial Day weekend. What kind of weather, Joey, do you picture on Memorial Day weekend usually? Uh, anything that allows me to be um, potentially double fisting a burger and a beer uh, <laughs> at some kind of barbecue and or at the beach. Yeah, so it felt like November um, this year. <laughs> nice, crisp 43 degrees at least. Um, really great weather to go uh, pumpkin picking. 30 mile an hour wind gusts. It was cloudy, rainy. Uh, I honestly felt like I was at like a, you know, getting ready for Monmouth University's senior day for football, right? That's the weather it felt like, like early November weather. We got in May 29th. We got the full squad there, right? You know, the full guy, full assortment of people off the bench for the first time all season. We play Torch FC. Going into that game, the record for most score, goals scored in the game was four and during a 90-minute stretch. For FC Monmouth. Yeah. FC Monmouth scored five in like 28 minutes. <laughs> the result ended 11-1. to one. Walter had six goals. Uh, Jacob Rubenstein had two. Dave Nigro had one. Uh, a bunch of other guys Pio, had. Uh, Pio Shiano. Pio. Um, first, uh, d- first, I believe, debut uh, it was really, de- uh, yeah, debut for FC Monmouth and, uh, you know, scoring goal in his debut. I, I know it, it got tacked in at the end. I believe he was the 11th goal. Um, yeah, Piochiano coming in as a local and, uh, you know, getting a bag one on the score sheet. Uh, to me, it was just a little feel-good moment, you know what I mean, to just throw into the mix. Rubenstein had two goals and two assists in his debut, like Pio had a yeah, goal. Yeah, yeah. I think the story for that game, a lot of people, you know, if you've seen the stats, you've seen the posts that we made and, and what we're going to talk about, of course, we're going to go on uh, about Walter here, Walter Calderon. But uh, you know what? Part of those goals being possible, the setup, I, I really felt was actually the, inclu- uh, the inclusion uh, of both uh, Jacob Rubenstein um, and Dan Pismenti, uh, as well as uh, Bryant Nibbs. They were really facilitating a lot of the balls forward, getting us up there. I mean, um, whenever um, Ruby was, you know, kind of playing uh, in the midfield or dropping a little bit deep, kind of like a 10 position for us, I mean, he was just, he's just such a facilitator. Um, it, it, was, it was just gorgeous to see. It was probably the most, some of the most free-flowing play that we've ever seen uh, in an FC Monmouth shirt. Yeah, and we've talked about the Jackson connection, and you could tell that a lot of these guys have played together on numerous occasions, right? I mean, just the trio alone of Calderon, Rubenstein, and Dave Nigro up top, right? That little trio, you could tell right there. I mean, they accounted for at least eight or nine of the goals, and if you factor in Dan, probably almost 10 of the 11 goals. Yeah, a lot of it was, um, I mean, obviously a lot of it was finding Walter in on behind. Uh, that man will run down a ball, um, and he will you know, beat you on athleticism and then, you know, put it in uh, very accurately uh, with, with skill. Um, just, just an all-around, that, that, that man is just an all-around, you know, phenomenal um, footballer. But they, that, that is the Jackson chemistry connection. You know, what, what that game was is, is showing you exactly why this partnership, you know, should exist and what it could do. Uh, I mean, it was it was a, such a dominant display uh, of football, and, and obviously Torch have had a questionable, uh, you know, some questionable records uh, in the past as well with with some high score lines from us. But this was uh, something else entirely, and uh, I think all credit to the to the boys that can perform it. Yeah, I mean, this was the first time. If you do just Keystone Conference teams, this is the first time since 2017 that someone reached 11 goals. Um, so it's it's definitely something rare to see. Ironically. There was another team that same day that scored 10 goals in the NPSL. Um, but it, in terms of 11, you have to go back to like July of 2019 for the whole league. 
Uh, and that put Walter into some crazy company, right? So in the span of four days, he put himself into a tie for the FC Monmouth all-time goal mark, right? He added in two assists also, put him right up there for that category as well. Um, just a crazy start to begin an FC Monmouth career, right? I mean, two games, not even the full 90 each time, eight goals, or seven at the time, pretty remarkable. Um, yeah, I mean, without a doubt, I think my favorite uh, standout moment for that game was the, his free kick. I mean, just Walter hit this, just such a beautiful free kick. Um, oh, my God. Just just, just outside the box, and it was just un- unbelievable. Um, watching that man take a free kick, uh, when it, oh, it's just such an art. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's something you mentioned to me before the game as well. Uh, and we, we are talking about Walter, but as you mentioned that was one through 18, you know, everybody getting in, everybody contributing. Uh, if you go back and watch the highlights, I mean, all 18 guys we had playing that game made a solid play at some point or another or created something on the stat sheet. Yeah, of course. It's not a one-man. It's, it's really not. It, 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 and soccer never really is or could be, and it definitely is not a one-man show. Um, you know, again, the, the it, I think on the on the surface, you're looking at the the massive amount of goals scored, but it really for me is the those goals being facilitated and, and, and getting those opportunities in and being able to read. So that to me is 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 the where the impressive part really lies. Yeah, and I mean even defensively too, they only allowed seven shots the whole game. You have to go back multiple seasons to find the last time a team only had seven total shots in a game against FC Monmouth. Um, so. Top down, probably the best performance really in club history, right? I mean, if you're going in terms of just like pure stats and play of, you know, play of the game, I mean, that has to be probably the most dominant in the three years. Yes, most dominant. But and, com- as- and maybe complete. I mean, you could put a couple other games as there as well. We're going to talk about what I think you're going to say next, which I agree with. Yes. I think there's a debate that could be made. Uh, so 11-1, Memorial Day weekend. Um, if you were in sunny weather, I'm jealous, but we were feeling pretty warm uh, and jolly watching, <laughs> you know, doing some stats and, and watching the game. It's a great um, way to put it. I think, I'll be real, I think nobody, uh, anyone that was uh, that did came out uh, to those games, thank you. And, and if you got to witness that, I mean, oh, yeah, everyone was feeling it. The, the weather did not make a difference at all to the um, emotions that were on the stands that day. Yeah, and I mean, even if you look at the pictures, I could have told you that that was in October. It was, <laughs> but again, yeah. Thank you to the fans, the staff. That was just an awesome day in general, um, and really cool. Like, just great way to leave the the facility and driving home. Just the feeling I had. I'm like, you know what? I did not just sit in November weather. Like, I, I didn't even think of it. Like, no, it was, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So the game you're that I know you're gonna say the following week was like 90 degrees, not 44. So we made a huge upgrade there. First State FC comes back, right, looking for a little bit of revenge, right, trying to avenge the weather-shortened game uh, the week prior. FC Monmouth goes down 4 nothing at halftime, right? The crowd was kind of quiet, you know, kind of, oh, man, like, this just got real, really well, quickly. You know, First State was coming, I mean, after the, you know, kind of getting handed the result from the, you know, the, the, the Lightning game, um, and I understandably not being content or happy with yeah. that, you know, for, uh, in terms of their ownership, and I'm, I'm sure the players as well, um, which is understandable, you know, that that's a, it's not, it's not a, it's not a, it's not the greatest way to win, you know, and it's a very frustrating way to, to lose, so um, they came back for vengeance, you know, they came back for, 
Um, to say for blood is a little too dramatic, but you know they, they came back wanting to kind of avenge that, and and they did. I mean, they had this on the ropes uh, really from the get go. Uh, and the, the funny part is actually from the opening whistle. I mean, we had a lot of chances. Uh, Josh uh, hasn't had a lot. You know, he he was on the end of, of at least two or three chances early on in that first half. Um, and Josh is a player that you know his uh it's, it's sometimes i don't know he's he's not he's not like this big kind of target forward type of player you know what i mean he, he's not going to be kind of commanding it up there like um like a zlatan or like a lukaku or something like that he, you know these are obviously huge comparisons i'm just saying um he's he's, he's really he's sneaky he's poachy he's gonna make he kind of create he creates something out of nothing he's very good at that um, and when, when you, you know when you think that he's running the ball down or he's in a tight tight angle approaching the corner and there's nothing we can get on it he can get that ball into the box he can get it on a shot on net like he is so good at that um, and it wasn't happening for him early in that game it was frustrating and uh, first state just kept piling them on I mean 4-0 at the half that's that's a in the in in any in any football match that's a very very tough scoreline to swallow at the half yeah so two goals in the first 10 minutes of the game. Uh, you and I have talked about it. I think it's a great way to sum up what Josh is as a player, someone who could just generate, as you said, something out of nothing. And we're uh, going to talk about something. It's, it's, it's his superpower for sure. Yeah. And, you know, we talked a lot about him coming into the second half. Some adjustments were made. Some players came on, which we talked about in the post game with the coaching staff and some of the guys really kind of made the difference. Colin Lankow being one of them. Uh, we mentioned Colin with his ability to score from very far out. I'm going to give you a stat later on. Spoiler, he scored in this game. He could score from very far out often. But I think one of the plays of the game that really started, spoiler again, ended a 4-4 draw. On a near-sided field, on that first goal when Josh scored in the second half, Colin had a really nice feed to set him up there because really kind of awkward angle, had to kind of thread it through two or three guys and really only could have landed in one spot to set up an opportunity. He put it right where it needed to be. Josh put it in the back of the net. And after that, you could kind of start to feel the momentum shift a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Lankow is, is such a, um, he's been such an impact player off, off the bench, um, obviously starting uh, with, you know, big, big, big exclamation point when he had that first touch, you know, um, chip against first state. But then to have, yeah, to have him come and get that, get first get that assist, of course, um, to Josh, which uh, was just, it felt great. It felt like Josh had it coming. He was knocking on the door. Um, Colin was the perfect man to set him up with that ball. He, he's just such a, he is such a, a difference maker, Colin, when he comes in. And um, it's just, once again, it was just on display. Yeah. And, and we were definitely happy that Josh was able to get one in. After the first half, you could see, you know, the frustration was there, just wasn't clicking. It's always a Within, mental game as a striker. It's part yeah. of the, part, a lot of it's the mental game. You know, you're going to have. You're going to only have X amount of chances, and you may miss, you know, nine out of ten of those, but you have to have, like, the memory of a goldfish, essentially, and you get that, you know, if you get that one chance through, that's all that matters. So, uh, yeah, Josh had a very, you know, he had a tough job. He had definitely had a tough job that night, and it was, it was great to see him uh, to see him bag one. It was well-deserved. So then about 20-ish minutes later, right around the 74th minute, Colin, as we mentioned, likes to score from very far out. Gets the ball from, I want to say, close to 30 yards out. Kind of puts it in. Might have taken a deflection as well. Makes it 4-2. Colin, by the way, one of only two players in club history to have multiple goals from 20 yards out. You want to guess as to who the other is? Actually, yes. I bet you it's, um, is it is it Daniel Vicente? No? It's, uh, first season? it's Nibsey. 
Brian Mims. Oh, yes, because he had one against, I believe, Electric City, right? Yeah, the one, uh, that must have been from almost midfield, that one. Uh, and then he had another one against Motown. So little tidbit there. But in any case, 4-2 at that point. The momentum's really there, right? And First State's trying to, to get that one final goal to kind of put things away because you, at that point you think it's a two-goal game. You get one more with 20 minutes left. That's really going to kind of put FC Monmouth away. It stays 4-2. We passed the 90th minute. We're all kind of like, you know, we still kind of felt it, but we didn't know if we had enough time, right? The energy was, um, I mean, tense. To say the energy was tense would be like we were on the edge of really doing it. And I think at the at the 4-2, like past 90 minutes, I was on the bench, um, you know, like I said, getting footage. And, and I, the energy was not necessarily tense because tense would be like we're, we're on the verge of doing it. And, you know, we have to teeter and hold on or, or whatever. But it, at 4-2, post 90 minutes, it, it kind of felt like we were gearing up mentally to be like, all right, what can we take from this loss, et cetera. Um, but that changed very quickly. Yeah, so I think around the 91st minute, Nibs has a throw, long throw-in from the far side. It basically reaches the goal, right, because it goes off the hands of the first state keeper, then off the crossbar, then it kind of comes out a little, it kind of surprised me how far it came off the crossbar, literally right onto the head of Chase Cavello. And then it went into the net to make it 4-3. Talk about right place at the right time. I mean, <laughs> oh, I don't know if it was, it was so simple as it just went off uh, Chase's head. Chase, you know, he, in his own words, you know, he definitely, he, he headed that in. And, um, you know, Chase is not the tallest uh, member of the squad. And again, in, in his own words, that one was for all the short kings out there. Well, he, he definitely got up, too. I want to prep, I want to give Chase some credit, too, because when you go back and watch the tape, like he got up there. But the, the way it came off, if it was maybe one or two inches to either side, you know, maybe First State's able to kind of recognize it, but it came right to him, got up, as you said, for the short kings out there, put it in. 4-3 at that point, we're like, oh, man, like we could really do this because that, that's a game that had the hydration break, so there's going to be more added time on yeah, at the end. Yeah, I think there was like something like eight minutes of extra time. I mean, that's a lot of extra time. If anyone, uh, you know, obviously familiar here, uh, you guys all know it's a lot of extra time for a football match. And, oh, man. I mean, at that point, it felt like the, it felt like the you know, the soccer gods were kind of shining on us a bit and, and giving us this opportunity because that was just, I think we knew. Yeah. I knew in my heart that this was going to happen. So I think there there was some other stoppages too. There was a couple injury stoppages in that game. Someone got for first state was sent off with a red card. So almost 10, I mean, when the game ended, we still kind of felt like there was another minute or two that could have been justified to be put on as well. I mean, so 97th minute, right? The hopes and dreams are kind of winding down, but we're still th full throttle going for it four three ball gets played into like the center of the box. Alex Navarrete, right? A guy who comes off the bench in the final minutes of a lot of games. Another uh, Red Bank local. Shout to him. Kind of coming on the team cold. Uh, he was pretty much a walk-on uh, this season. And um, he's, he's appeared as a substitute uh, first quite quite a few times. And, um, you know, he, he he's he's quiet. Um, but he, he, he gives it, he gives it yeah. like all out there. That's one thing when we're at training, one of the cool things is we get to watch these guys practice twice a week. Um, maximum effort guy. I think it's the best way. Oh, to he's, he's, it. Yeah. he's hardworking. Uh, you know, and again, he, he's hardworking and, um, he, he may not be, like I said, the, maybe the loudest or maybe the, the forefront of focus, um, on the squad this season. But, uh, you've really got to appreciate that that guy's coming in here. He's hanging with all these other guys with, uh, 
with their experience, obviously with the Lions already having experience together. And he's really coming in cold, and I think the team has warmed up to him for sure, welcomed him in, and um, you just appreciate you just appreciate uh, a guy like that, an athlete that just just works. That you can't be mad at that ever. That he draws a foul, right? He try. I, I don't know what kind he was kind of trying to go for. Uh, maybe like uh, a, I think he was going for a bicycle. bicycle he was going kick. a lot yeah. of uh, yeah. Uh, Pereira. Everyone was talking about him going for a bicycle kick. I mean, the kid, the kid just wants it, and he knew. Uh, you could just see he was going to do anything. Now, but I will say, in some ways, it was kind of he had the taller guy on him. He was obviously shorter. He had that position to where he going up for that. If you don't make contact, that guy's going to kind of tackle you, and you're going to draw a foul, right? I mean that. That's what happened. Sets up the penalty. He got slammed. Look, he got pretty slammed. It was uh, a little violent, and uh, yeah, of course, the penalty comes out of that. I mean, that's something you you don't get. You don't get. Listen, you don't get that foul drawn unless you're putting your body in the line. Yeah, and that's what he did. He put his body on the line for that. One hundred percent, just sacrificed himself. So people are going to remember the penalty kick, but what drew it obviously was big uh, and getting body slammed to the ground, basically. Definitely, you know, that's up there for play of the game as well to, to put yourself on the line. So then talk about a poetic way, right, to end this game. The FC Monmouth captain for three years, the only guy to be on every single roster, Zach Pereira, steps up, takes it, scores his first ever goal in the same season that he became the all-time games leader for the club. Ties it at four. A couple minutes later, I mean... There were still two minutes after this to where First State not only had a, a basically a run down the field to where they could have potentially stole. Well, I guess we were the ones stealing points, but they could have stolen right back. Well, they had a, they had a well. Um, before we get to that, though, I mean, they uh, back to Pereira's uh, penalty. You know what? From him, um, being on the bench again, I could tell you that the, the bench was not calling for Pereira to take that kick necessarily. Um, and and I, I'm, I think maybe Nibsey may have stepped up, uh, but I know that Pereira he made a mistake early on, um, you know, in the in the first half that, that ended up leading to a goal. And I think he wore that chip on his shoulder the entire match, knowing that he wanted to um, kind of right that wrong, which is not necessary. You know, all you have to do to write that is just keep your head up and, and just stay in the game and get focused for the rest of the match. But he, he felt like he really he owed it to the he owed it to the to the squad, to the fans, to everybody to to make that right. So him stepping up to that penalty spot was uh, it just hell. It was it was so much deeper uh, in a way because he really you know he felt like he really owed it to everybody. And and let me tell you that was a captain moment. And he when he buried that, I mean that's it. You're 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 just cement yourself um, in the lore for that one. Yeah. So. That was just a really cool moment, obviously, and for me personally too, knowing him for basically four prior years at Monmouth to see, you know, his Monmouth career obviously ended with an injury. So then to come into FC Monmouth the following year, play almost every game, then this year and almost every game to have so many accolades already, and to come through as you said a big captain moment was really cool. Yeah, that was, that was, was that just, was to me just someone that cares about the club. Yeah. You know, that's what that was. And, and he even said it. To us, when we interviewed him after the game, I mean, he takes responsibility for it, and all these guys do too. But it's it's just kind of it was just a really cool moment. It was the perfect way to. to I mean, you couldn't have tied the kind of the bow uh, on that game w- with a better moment. Basically, you know, the captain taking the penalty kick in the ninety seventh minute of play. I mean, just uh, couldn't have, I couldn't have scripted that. I could not have scripted that. So, but then right after. First state goes right down the field and we're all in the press box. Like, Oh man, like they're like, because we didn't know how much time was going to be kept because it just seemed like it just kept adding on and adding on. And 
you know, even some of the people we talked to after the game said there probably could have been another minute or two. We really didn't know. Well, they did rack up a lot of injuries on their side. Yeah. Um, the, uh, Wes, uh, our trainer, was out on the field constantly attending MVP, head injuries and other things. MVP of the game is Wes. I mean, he <laughs> was he was he must have got a lot of steps in um, that Saturday. But in any case, first state had another chance to try and go up five four, and then we proceeded to go down the other end. And you could kind of start to feel that push. That's when the final whistle was blown. 4-4, I mean, I know you're going to probably expand on it, but in terms of impact and meaning, this game has to be up there too, right along with the Torch game. But this probably, you know, succeeds this, this, this it. Felt like yeah. some, this felt like, I mean, just that score line coming up from a 4-0 deficit in any, uh, any, you know, any team, any match, anywhere in the world is, is incredible. I just felt like this might have been... For me, this is probably the proudest I think I've ever been, uh, you know, wearing the SC Mammoth shirt and being a part of the organization. I mean, my God, that was just something else. You don't see that every day, and we may not see that again in that same way. That, that's, that's just something else. That, f- for everyone that was there uh, and saw that, that stuck through uh, without, you know, um, getting disheartened uh, throughout the first half and, and stayed to see that, I mean, that was a historic moment um, in, in, in Mammoth County soccer, period. And um, I'm just, I'm really, I'm so just happy I got to witness that. And, and live it two goals after the 90th minute that alone for those who are kind of new to the sport two goals after the 90th minute that doesn't really happen right and I mean on top of that the circumstances that were into it you know Colin mentioned after the game to be able to say that you came down from four nothing down to tie a game is really big in itself and that gives you a lot of confidence going into your next matches which it did which we'll talk about in a second but again the impact as proud as you were too, like it's, this is why you don't beat the traffic, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is why you stay until the whistle blows. My father is a big beat the traffic guy. And I went home and I told him, this is why you don't get in your car before the final whistle or horn or whatever sport, you know, the final out, whatever sport you're watching until the game ends. You got to stay. Yeah, it was just next level. Um, I mean, I, we can harp on it all you want, but you know, the, the footage um, will some of those clips will be coming up online. Um, there, there's a lot of content being uh, produced right now, uh, visually recapping the season. So you're going to see a lot of moments from that game happen. And it's just, um, yeah, you, you guys like, you guys, you know what, if you, if you were there and you beat the traffic or if you have a major way to an FC Mile with home game, uh, this is definitely uh, the chance to do it this Friday, uh, against Atlantic city at 7 PM. That was a very slick tease for your, uh, your project you're working on, by the way, we'll talk more about that. In just a second, one final game that we have to recap happened just a couple days ago, a rematch against FC Motown up at Drew University. Always love going up there, by the way. Really nice facility, you know, really nice owners, right? They know us, obviously, because we called a couple of their games back in 2018. Yeah, yeah, and they're, and they're good hosts. You know, they're good yeah. hosts. It's a professional soccer environment. Um, you know, they, they know how to run a, they know how to run a, uh, get the press box sorted out. They know how to get all that stuff. So it's always good to to kind of be in that kind of company. Yeah. So I, I did say, you know, got to shout out every road team. That was right up there as well. Really nice weather. Best weather we had all year. Nice, crisp, like no, 70 degrees. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So FC Motown really needed the three points. They bring in those big guys. FC Monmouth really went toe for toe the whole game. Really, really <clears> solid <throat> performance from the guys that were out there for FC Monmouth. Um, yeah, something well, to, something important to note is going into this game. I think you know uh, we're a little bit the underdogs for sure. You know, in terms of position on the table and, and I guess historical uh, records against Motown. So 
Um, coming in, I I believe that you know you, we would have been happy taking any points from Motown. It would be um, would be great, and I think considered a success. So even taking a point, you know, getting a point in this game would have been uh, desirable. Yeah. So the first half had only five opportunities combined for both sides. Really kind of played, you know, really in the midfield and everything else. Opportunities were key. Walter gets in, gets fouled in the box, scores his club all-time leading eighth goal. Also now tied for the lead um, in terms of just goals for the MPSL as well. So Walter makes it one nothing going into halftime, and you could kind of feel it, right? I mean, we FC Monmouth was there, right? It was there for the taking, and all the guys out there, you know, one through eleven. We're all working really hard, too. And I think that was the theme, too. I mean, Coach Woods mentioned it. They played hard from, you know, the first minute to after the 90th minute. The performance against Motown, I mean, obviously, this is the scoreline, you know, like, it, it kind of doesn't reflect that 100% because it it's just, it was hard. It was a hard, this is really the most heartbreaking uh, in terms of, of losses uh, because the, the game, it doesn't tell the full story. These, these boys went out there. They played such a resilient, tough game. They made it so hard for Motown to, to break through. Um, a lot of our, you know, our back line was working incredibly hard. Um, you know, big shout-out to, um, you know, Adrian Bras. Big shout-out to uh, Ben King. Um, you know, th- those guys were just just working uh, just, just so incredibly hard. Um, and just to to actually get one over on them then you know again with a penalty and none other than Walter Calderon of course you know sliding that in um it it just was like man like we were we were gonna do it it was gonna happen we were gonna topple Motown for sure at their home which is a a tough task for any team in in the conference you know um and and to just see it you know kind of slide away from us obviously in the waning uh you know kind of half of the game the waning half of the second half um I don't know. It was. I, I really. I really think that uh, if you look at it on the surface, you're looking at the wrong things. That was a phenomenal, phenomenal performance uh, of effort and of resilience of the guys. Um, I just think they need to, you know, closing games out and, and kind of adjusting to a strategy that allows you to close the game out comfortably, even if you are uh, stuck in that position where you're trying to hold on to like a one nil, uh, you know what I mean, or a two one or something like that. I mean, that in itself, closing games out is a skill. Yeah. So. Early, I guess midway through the second half, we talked about how Josh can create something out of nothing. I don't know if you remember his chance around the 60th minute. He put a ball that on net that went through the Motown goalkeeper's legs. It looked like it was going to go in. And I don't know, looking from the video, and, and my angle is kind of tough in the press box, but I guess I think this guy literally had to reach behind himself and kind of push it out with his hand as his body was going the complete opposite direction. Talk about big moments and big saves for Motown. I mean, on on the surface, that looked like a goal. It literally oh, yeah. went, it went well, that, through that his legs. That, yeah. that could have potentially buried it for 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 Mammoth. Um, you know, again, another big Josh Hessian moment there uh, for him. It really is crazy how he could just he can just create something out of uh, anything that you think maybe doesn't have a, a chance, and and that's what you need. Those kind of split second decisions is what you have to to do at that very high functioning level to get a, on a team against Motown. Yeah, and I mean he he had the ball and took it for at least probably fifteen to twenty yards before he shot that too, and to put it literally right where it needed to go between the legs of the keeper. Um, that was one of the bigger moments of the second half. Uh, 
But as I mentioned in some of the stats reports that I had up on the website, then came this barrage of shots from Motown. The more and more subs they had come in, fresh legs. I think they had probably 16 of the last 17 shots of the game or something. I mean, they had a stretch of like 11 straight. Um, just guys come in one after another off the bench. Then as the game winded down, of course, they drew a penalty of their own. They scored to tie it up. Then close to the 90th minute, crazy goal they had, you know, in terms of skill um, to be able to put one past Matt Perella. Uh, Perella, by the way, almost had that second goal. He was like almost there to kind of make a save. Um, just a crazy angle on that shot. Yeah, I mean, the um, like, all credit to the forward. Who, yeah. who cut, he just cut. He was just cutting everyone up in the box. Um, he had a lot of skill on the ball. I mean, he he, he found uh, again. He, he just found that just that that like foot that that small amount of space of just separation enough to get that shot yeah. off that he created for himself. So definitely credit to you know to the Motown forward that that slotted that in. Uh, but as you said, uh, you know Pro had a hand pretty much on it just about. He was he was pretty close to that. So I did want to give a quick shout out to Matt on that. Uh, going back and watching. You know, that second goal, the timing for it, and obviously the the crazy angle it took off the guy's foot, um, as you said, kind of slithered his way into cutting through the box. Uh, so that was the go-ahead goal for them, 2-1. to one. Obviously a heartbreaking loss, but again, FC Monmouth had them on their heels for a while, right? I mean... That was a it was a dicey game for Motown. Yeah. You know, they were frustrated. Uh, they were not, uh, not kind of as dominant as they probably wanted to be. Um, and we were shutting down even some of their talent, like, again, like Dilly Duca. I mean, I've seen uh, watching Ben King go up against uh, Dilly Duca, maybe not necessarily fully aware of, of Duca's, uh, you know, maybe past experience or, or level that he, he's coming from, um, which I think probably helped because uh, it's all equal on the pitch at that point. You know what I mean? It's just another guy you have to defend, just another guy you have to play against and match up against. So um, it was very entertaining to see that. And I was, again, just so proud of the guys yeah. uh, for shutting Motown down so well. Um, outside of those two little moments. Yeah. So really, it was still, I think we left it disappointed, but in other ways kind of proud that, you know, we're, we were toe-to-toe, right? I mean, this wasn't like the David and Goliath thing that some people might like kind of portray it to be. It was very... No, no, yeah. not at all. It was so so much so much closer yeah. than that. And I think, uh, you know, the boys, and, and Woods, Woods, you made this um, clear, you know, like put put your head up and, and shake this off and we go on. We, we don't have, we don't have time. We don't have energy effort or, you know, even any necessary willpower to, to have to dwell on this. Cause it's just not worth hanging your head over. There was a good performance overall. And, um, you know, again, you kind of can't be proud of these guys and this isn't just padding it to kind of, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Kind of take the edge off and say, no, 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 don't worry. It's a pat on the back. You guys did great. No, like, that was a seriously yeah. legitimately, uh, performance to be, you know, a performance to be proud of. And also shout out to our fans too. We had a pretty decent contingent that made the way up there. Yes, we did have a little bit of presence there um, in their stadium, which was which was awesome. It's always it's always good to see that uh, you know here in uh, here in the crowd for you know kind of on your on on your side uh, when you're in a away game like that, and especially in a league like the NPSL. You know, um, we know it's not these huge market teams. Uh, so anyone that makes the, the trek out and comes and supports, it, I mean, it makes a difference to the, the players. It makes a difference to us, uh, and it, it just. You know, you guys have a, you have a way to influence the game, just just that little bit more. Yeah. So we mentioned how there's no time to kind of dwell. This Friday uh, starts this kind of playoff push. Right now, the club sits with eight points. If you're going off of points 
per game. They sit fourth in the table. If you go off of points overall, they're fifth. So they're right there with Electric City for that final playoff spot. For those that are new to the team, new to the league, the top four teams in our conference make it in. So FC Monmouth, right there, right? To try, and I don't really like the term control your own destiny. It's something that gets thrown around in sports all the time, right? That's the popular buzzword down the stretch for any team season. You know, their destiny's in their own hands, which essentially, I mean, you can rely on some help from other teams, but at the same time, there's a big stretch, right? And and the way that the teams played pretty much every game this season, there's a lot to be encouraged and excited about going up against these really high caliber teams. Two, three of the final four games are against teams ahead of them. So they could really not only make up ground and make up points, but also really kind of cement themselves fully as like, you know, like this is one of the top caliber clubs in the conference. Like we're here to stay and starts with the best team in the conference, arguably in Atlantic City FC, right? Two of the final four games are against them. The first one being this Friday. Uh, it cannot be understated how big of a match it's going to be. Oh, this is the, at the moment, this is actually the biggest, probably the biggest match of the season. Uh, last last uh, home game on the regular season schedule against a, a rival, um, the beginning of the kind of the beginning of the later half of the season now, and, and everything from here on out is really a push for the playoffs, battling for fourth place uh, with Electric City, uh, which will be a back and forth, and, and again a, a tough. Um, it, it's a tough spot to be in still uh, to know that you know fourth place is not just guaranteed to us; it won't be handed to us. I mean, this is it. If there's a game to go to, um, this literally is the game to to go to. There's no other way around it. You know, it's. It's not a comfortable position to be in, having a team kind of breathing right down your neck, trying to get into the playoffs as well. But I think in some ways, having that uncomfortable kind of situation, teams kind of thrive off of it, right? FC Monmouth kind of use it to be like, you know, let's put ourselves into a really good position against a really good team. And by the way, Atlantic City has 22 goals in six games. This team could get up and down and score. Probably going to be a pretty high-scoring match on Friday as well. Um a lot of highlights that are probably going to come out of it, but as you mentioned, the rivalries there going to be a really, really big game. And every game from here on out, and Coach Woods has made it clear, you know, in the past few, in a 10-game season, every game's important, right? And you mentioned it early on in the show as well. Every game's important. Every minute of every game's important. Um, this is going to be a really big stretch, but after what we've seen, you know, basically all season and especially the past couple of weeks too, this team is not only up for the challenge, but ready to take it on and, you know, try and get that second playoff appearance in three seasons. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, if we had enough time here, I would, I would give, uh, I would give the deserved flowers to really every, um, everyone in the squad this season. Um, I, I can name everybody by name, but you know, the, and those guys, everyone who's shown up and showed out, they, they deserve the accolades. They deserve the, the praise for the, for the effort and the fight that they've put forth. So I, I just think if there's going to be a, um, a season that we can do this and make a, make a deeper run in the playoffs than we ever have, this is going to be that season. These guys care. Um, you know, they want to be playing for the club and, um, it, it's showing and they've already had strung together some really just, uh, kind of extra, extraordinary moments um, with each other. So it just feels like, yeah, we, we, the, we can just do this. There's just, there's just no excuses to why not. So as you said, big game on Friday, big playoff push. Outside of the Hershey game, pretty much everything is semi-local, right? I mean, Westchester from the Monmouth County area is obviously a little bit farther. 
than my drive. Don't want to brag, uh, but in any case, that'll be a, a, a good game. They have a pretty nice field down there too, uh, if my memory is correct. So try and make it out. Definitely make it out to this Friday. Um, this team deserves all the love, right? I mean, it's been a really, really exciting season. And I know we, we, we can't really look at it from a fan perspective because we work for the team, but I mean, all the players have been great with us. You know, all the coaches, I mean, obviously you and I are huge, you know, Brian Woods fans and huge fans of all the coaches on our staff, right? John Killick, Peter John Falloon, I mean. Nibsy. Nibsy, it's it's a really fun environment. Yeah, it's it's great to see them thriving. It's great to see. It, I'm just really proud to, and I say this, I think I've said this probably every season, you know, if I wasn't um, involved in the organization, I would 100% just be a fan. This is just such a great team to, to get behind and feel good about, and, and the pride of representing Monmouth County, man, it just... Ah, it's second to none. Seriously. Um, so what, what more is there to say? Just get down and, and see the spectacle yourself. So before we go, you had a very slick tease earlier about your project that you're working on. I'm going to give you the floor. Before we sign off, we have some really cool content that you're creating on the video side. Um, why don't you take us through it a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so this season, I wanted to kind of handle it differently um, with getting content out to you guys. You know, there is a lot happening um, and, and every season, I mean, there's a lot happening behind the scenes. So what I really wanted to do uh, with the video and, and the visual content this year is to kind of peel the curtain back behind, you know, what goes on uh, from our perspective, because there's so much to the, um, you know, to the to the machine uh, that you guys don't see. Uh, that's just not, it goes way, and it goes way beyond just the, the players on the pitch and the coaching staff. It, it goes into the, um, you know, all the volunteers. It goes into the owners getting their hands dirty. It goes into the media guys, you know, staying up late and, recapping and, and getting the stats to you it goes um it just goes to the to the fans that make the trek out to the away games that come out in numbers when the weather's bad i mean there's so many different facets of this organization um and there's a lot of stories to tell there's a lot of stories to tell so there is a we're working on the um the official uh docuseries for fc monmouth called beyond the touchline and uh the first episode depending on when you're hearing this podcast will either be uh, out already or uh or coming out uh before the uh home game against atlantic city yeah so make sure if it is out make sure to watch it if not make sure to turn on your social media notifications so when it does drop you're the first one to view it uh, and then be able to uh comment on it i'm very excited about it have been you know since you pitched this idea really i guess before COVID, right i mean this was something you were kind of working on yeah, it's something I, I, I brewed in my head last season, just, um, you know, obviously watching things like Sunderland Until I Die and The Last Dance really fueled it even more. But uh, it's hard to do a, a kind of documentary when you're like a one-man crew. So that's why uh, it has been taking uh, the time that it has. But um, I am firmly committed to getting the series out and getting it up to speed to where the team is actually, uh, you know, uh, in present day. Hey, well, we're all excited about it when, you know, there's no rush, like, it's going to be great. Like I will vouch for it. Right. So make sure to watch uh, shout out time, a uh, new social media guy, Noah, uh, you've seen him on socials. He's been doing an awesome job. Our new intern or game day guy, uh, James, he's uh, been awesome. Yeah. He, Both those guys have been incredible for us. If you are, if you're on, if you're on Twitter, uh, Instagram, please drop us a comment, uh, tweet at us, uh, say what's up to the guys, send us some banter. Uh, anything you want to talk about, please. Uh, Noah is so engaging. Um, and, and James has just been so, uh, helpful in, in, in infinite number of ways, uh, both at training and, uh, game days. And you want to know how engaging Noah is, 
Matt Perella couldn't make it out to a game. So Noah was messaging him back and forth during the game, giving him updates, giving him some analysis. Make sure to, to drop a follow on the socials. They're doing some great stuff. Uh, at we are, it's at we are Mammoth on everything. Yep. Uh, shout out to the owners, as always, giving us all the tools we need to do stuff. Shout out to the players, the coaching staff, Coach Woods, obviously, you know, someone who makes us laugh all the time and always has a good team that trots out there on the field. So the whole coaching staff, too, they make us laugh. It's, it's just a good time. So... Make sure to come out. It's going to be a big four games, but I'd like to thank everybody for listening. This is episode one of the FC Mammoth podcast. We're going to drop a couple more as this big stretch kind of unfolds. So for Joey, my name's Matt. We'll see you next time. Hopefully, we'll see you Friday right there for FC Mammoth and Atlantic City FC.